Welcome to the Providence Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you'd like to stay connected, download our app Providence Community from your phone's app store or visit our website at providencecommunity.org. I don't know what to say this morning. I just, it feels, uh, feels like such good stuff is happening. If I said nothing, Jesus would keep ministering to us. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but he loves to, uh, he loves to use... Um, the weak things of the world to shame the wise, all right? That's why I'm here, all right? Um, and so I just really feel like I have a word on my heart to share with you all. I had a couple announcements. I just want to blow by those, and I just want to get right to where we're going. This morning, I, I want to talk about baptism, water baptism. Um, Galatians chapter, well, Galatians chapter, what is it? It's uh, Galatians chapter 3, starting with verse 26. says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God, through faith, not through baptism. In Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God, and that would include daughters of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ Jesus have put on Christ. Guys, I, I want to speak about baptism this morning and the importance of it, but I want to do it the, the long way. As we were worshiping um, this morning, Jesus was messing me up in the best possible way. And I just felt like I, I needed to share more word of testimony to get to baptism instead of getting right into teaching. I think there's so many of us confused on what baptism is. Maybe not here under this tent, but, but in the world, I run into so many people that think that they need to be baptized to go to heaven, that think that their sins are being washed away and that they're at the bottom of a tank or the bottom of a pond or the bottom of a lake or the bottom of a whatever you were baptized in. That's not what's happening, guys. The blood of Jesus washes your sins, not the waters of baptism. Um, but I want to talk about, uh, I want to talk about uh, baptism in the long way, permission to go the long way, the scenic route. Can I do that? Um, the, uh, two weeks ago, I, um, I ingested in my body accidentally more peanut butter than I have ever eaten in my entire life. Um, and here's the problem with, for those of you who, who don't know me is I'm deathly allergic to peanut butter, nuts in general, uh, especially peanuts. I did it accidentally, and I, uh, to, I'll, I'll share the long story soon, uh, but uh, it, it's too graphic and it's too gory, but let me tell you this, if it wasn't for my wife, I wouldn't be here today. Uh, I, the, the doctor said I was 15 minutes from death. I went to urgent care, and then urgent care called the ambulance, and they shoved all kinds of drugs in me. I started singing Go Down Moses. I don't know if you know that song. <laughs> Um, the, uh, but that's how, uh, that's how high I was. Um, but, uh, but they were saving my life. <laughs> Have you know, go down Moses, way down to Egypt land. You've never heard that one? <laughs> Tell old Pharaoh, let my people go. You never heard that. Come on now. <laughs> I'm high again on something else. Uh, but, uh, so I, I'm, I'm seeing this and they're saving my life. And they said 15 minutes and you would have been with Jesus. That, that'll wake you up spiritually in the morning. Right? And I started thinking about a vision that I had to start out uh, 2020, and it was a vision of orphans falling off a cliff. And I felt like God was telling me in the, in the beginning of this year, I don't really care how many people like you. I don't really care how big your church gets. I don't really care about any of the things that business would tell us to care about. What Jesus cares about is that orphans don't plummet to hell. Orphans fall into the kingdom. There's a, that when you get 15 minutes from death, you start to think some of these thoughts. Do you not? You ever been there? 
And I just want to tell you this morning that there is a hell, not prepared for you, prepared for the devil and his angels, but if you would rather follow him, you can go there. But there is also a heaven that you have, that, that you can enter through faith in Jesus Christ. Is that not what Galatians just said? But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. And this morning, you, don't, you can know that you're not going to hell. You can know that you're a son or a daughter in a brand new kingdom. That's why Jesus died. Jesus died not so you would get a little wet and join a, a, a club that does ritualistic routines. Jesus died so you could be a son or a daughter through faith. And I just don't think that the church really talks like this anymore. We talk more like what church is doing church the way that I think that we should do it, which one's going the smoothest. I just want you to know, church, that I really believe this morning that the reason why God has me talking about baptism is because I believe that the day is coming soon where spiritual orphans are going to be descending onto this hill or ascending onto this hill and Everybody is, ha- is going to have to be called on. It's going to be all hands on deck, leading more people to Jesus than we ever imagined. I really believe that. I re- really, really believe that. I really believe that, that the way that Providence is going to be growing in these revival days is not we're going to be the best church to take frustrated people from other churches in. They're always welcome. Just leave your frustration and get soul care or something. But I believe that the way that we're actually going to be growing is maybe we'll grow a tenth that way. But 90% of our growth is going to be the church on fire with the best message in the universe. And that's Jesus died for your sins. You don't have to go to hell. You can be a son or a daughter in the kingdom. And when that happens, the Bible says that you are supposed to immediately baptize those people in, in water. Do you know that? I got saved at seven years old. I put my faith in Jesus at seven years old. Another story, I'll, I'll spare the details, because it's in, but at seven years old, my dad was a pastor, my mom was a Christian, all of those things. I knew that my dad being a pastor, my mom being Christian, did not mean that I had the righteousness of Jesus for me. And I needed Jesus, and I put my faith in him, and I ran home, and I bowed by my bed, and I prayed with my mom, and I received Jesus, but I didn't get baptized for seven years. Can I tell you this? If your child puts their faith in Jesus, and they're old enough to do that, they're old enough to be baptized. Okay? There's some traditions that they wait, and they actually watch you to see if you're actually saved for a year. Like, guys, come on. (laughs) Baptize people. All right? So Galatians chapter 3 is kind of our springboard, and I want to talk about this morning about if your faith is in Jesus, the need for baptism. October 18th, we're going to be, uh, we're having a baptism service here, okay? All the sound will be gone, all right? We're just going to have a baptismal, and we're all going to gather around it, and we're going to celebrate people announcing their sonship and daughtership in the kingdom of Jesus, and it's going to be good. Bring your popcorn, telling you. Going to want to watch that and some hankies and tissues. And and that's just for your neighbors, all right? But I want to tell you, there's so many different views on baptism. Here's some of the ones that I've run into in my my experience. Is Number one, my gram was an Episcopalian, and then my granddad was an Episcopal priest. 
right? I don't know if you know what that is, but it's, it's about one step removed from Catholicism. And uh, I remember my, my uh, granddad, Harry, always wearing the kind of the clerical collar, the backwards collar. And he is about 95 years old and still preaching in the Episcopal Church in Chaptico, Maryland, wherever that is. He doesn't have a gray hair on his head. I don't know, I don't know what happened, all right? I'm going gray around the ears, and it, but it's coming off faster than it's going gray. Uh, but uh, didn't get any of those genes, but it's honestly because we're actually not related. <laughs> so any long story. Okay. Um, yeah, no, but, okay. Uh, the, uh, but my gram, my, my dad was a Brethren in Christ pastor. And one weekend, we were visiting um, my gram who lived in Bethesda, Maryland. There's an Episcopal uh, church in Bethesda, Maryland that my granddad Harry was the pastor of. And on a Sunday morning, my dad jumped in the shower. My, my gram had been waiting for my dad to get in the shower like this. And as soon as he did, she grabs me as an infant. She takes me to the Episcopal church and they baptize me as an infant. <laughs> so I, I'm good. Okay. I've been baptized lots of times in all kinds of ways. Um, and so they baptized me like through, through pouring water on my face, all right? And, uh, and that's what they believed in that church. Basically, what, what this is, is it's basically a, a means of grace they believe. Just in case something would happen to me as an infant and I would, uh, and I would die, it's baptized, so is good. Okay? There's that out there here all the time. All right? And then, then there's all the deep theology in the deep theological movie called My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Right? And so there's a big to-do about this non-Greek guy needing to be baptized into the Greek Orthodox Church. And it's not him coming to know Jesus or declaring his faith. It's him actually becoming Greek. So this is a cultural thing. It's a cultural thing. And then I, I forget the, the guy's name, Gus or something. Every Greek man's name, if it's not Nick, it's Gus, right? Uh, he walks up and he says, you know, something like in, in a whole lot of shame and uh, intensity, he says to this non-Greek guy, you know, this is the best day of your life, the day that you were baptized into the, you know, Greek Orthodox Church. Okay, that's there too. It's about culture. It's not about Jesus. It's about uh, identifying as a Greek. It's not uh, identifying as a son. It's, it has nothing to do with knowing God personally, either one of those experiences. It, it's, it's about something else. My conversion story, I told you that I put my faith in Jesus at seven, not baptized until I was 14. Let me tell you why I didn't get baptized until I was 14. As I was always telling my parents, I'm just not ready. It's not that they didn't want me to be baptized. It's that I didn't want to be baptized, even though I love Jesus with all my heart. It, here's why. Is it was fear. And the, and the uh, what, kind of, what, what kind of church we go to? The Brethren in Christ Church. You, number one, you would get dunked three times in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. I didn't like the sound of that as a kid. But the worst than that is in the Brethren in Christ Church, you have to give a speech, a testimony where you speak out loud on why you're getting baptized. And my greatest fear in life was speaking in front of people. And so out of fear, I did not get baptized for seven years. I think so many of us, we have, we have, all, kinds of, we have all kinds of stuff. I can see when you get 15 minutes from the end of your life why, you, why some people, even though they're not Catholic, call a priest in to do some rites. Because when you get to the, when you, you know, the, just in case I die, I just want to make sure. Well, guys, listen, faith, though, your salvation does not hang on rituals or rites. 
Your faith hangs on a man named Jesus who paid a price and then offers the, the, offers the benefit of to you. Okay, so I want us to see this morning how I think, I think that so many of us, I think on the 18th, we've got like 10 people signed up to be baptized. I think we need to quadruple it. I think 40 people on the 18th need to be baptized here. I think there's a lot of people that you've been holding off baptism, hasn't mattered much to you, you haven't understood it, maybe you got baptized in infants so you don't think that you need to again. Listen, this is about what God has done in you and your understanding of that. This is not about going through motions. And I think that, that we need a lot of people that have been saved for years to get baptized, and we'll talk about what that is. But we also, I really believe that there's a lot of people here that you're here because you're hungry for Jesus, and today you're going to know him. And the next week you're going to know him, and that you're going to need to be baptized rapido. So I want us to see how in the early church, let's go back to the early church for a few moments. Can we turn to the book of Acts? Let's start in chapter eight. That sounds like a good chapter, right? How in the early church, a profession of faith in Jesus and baptism were tied together. They're not one and the same, but they went on the heels of one another. One one of them, faith in Jesus saves, and the other one is declaration of that faith. All right, so I want us to see how a profession of faith in Jesus biblically and baptism are tied together in the scriptures. They're on the heels of one another. So Acts chapter 8, starting with verse 26, going all the way to verse 40, this is a a passage of scripture that talks about a guy named Philip and an Ethiopian eunuch that goes nameless in this passage. Now, I want to point out that this is not Philip the apostle. This is Philip the evangelist. This Philip was a deacon in the church. You know what? I'm going to go here. Our deacons at Providence are pretty amazing. But many times that we know our biblical understanding of what a deacon is, is uh, they're glorified janitors with a title. And this is what deacons are supposed to be right here. I want you to read this. I want you to see this. This Philip was an evangelist, and he is in prayer. And the Holy Spirit says to Philip in verse 29 of chapter 8, the Spirit says to Philip, go over and join this chariot that the Spirit said to go to that road, and then he sees this charioteer riding along, and he says, go over and, uh, and, and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? So let's, let's look at this picture here. There's an Ethiopian eunuch, and he's in a, a chariot, and he's, he's riding a chariot pulled by at least one horse. And here's Philip, the deacon evangelist, that the Holy Spirit says, go up to him. So Philip is running as fast as a horsey. And he is talking as he runs, and they're having a conversation. And actually, this guy invites Philip into the chariot. And here's the passage of scripture that this Ethiopian guide is reading. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before it shears silence, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life was taken away from the earth. This is Isaiah 53. And Philip says, do you understand this? And the Ethiopian says, I need someone to explain it to me. And so Philip explains it to him. That's talking about Jesus in the Old Testament scriptures. And then the guy receives Jesus through faith. And the first bit of water that they see, the Ethiopian flips out about and says, baptize me in that water. So here, this means a couple of things. It means that in Philip's gospel presentation, he's talking about baptism. Do you see this? How else would the Ethiopian guy understand or see water and connect the dots? And this also says that that immediately as he 
puts his faith in Jesus for salvation, the next thing that he wants to do is he wants to get baptized. So Philip doesn't say, hey, you know what? Let's wait a year. Let's see if you're actually saved. He doesn't say, I don't know. Let's kind of take this to the church council. He doesn't say anything like that. The Bible says that he baptized him in verse 39. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. All right, so that's not about baptism. That's just about, that, that's in the Bible. I want you to see this. Philip baptizes the guy, then vanishes and shows up at another town. This is Philip, who's the deacon evangelist, not one of the apostles. God does, God does miracles through everybody. <laughs> Send your emails. I would love to dialogue on that one. I'd love that. That would be really good. We can all be stretched. But here, so, so here's the Ethiopian guy. He hears the gospel. He gets baptized. Do, do you see this? Here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? He's baptized immediately. Acts chapter 9, then, if you go to the, you know, to the you know, it's actually on the same page in my Bible. This is talking about a man named Saul that gets saved, and God turns his name to Paul. And many of, uh, many of you know the story of his conversion where Jesus literally shows up, blinds him, and says, why are you persecuting me? And then he leads them through all this. Paul, Paul or Saul, soon to be Paul, fast for three days. And then a prophet goes and talks to, uh, to Paul and, uh, and, and prays over him. Scales fall off of his eyes. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he rises and was baptized. And that's in verse 18. And then verse 19, and taking food, he was strengthened. So I, I want you to hear this. Paul gets saved. He'd been fasting for three days and is baptized before he eats. <laughs> Do you see? It's not, they're not like, hey, you know what? Eat something. We'll pray about the right timing on getting baptized. No, it was this important. You put your faith in Jesus, declare it through the waters of baptism. Very, very important. And then look at Acts 16. Just keep, kind of keep flipping. This is Acts 16. This is a, a lady named Lydia who is a worshiper of God, but she, uh, she never really heard about Jesus. So Paul and uh, his, his team, they go and they, they talk to Lydia. They lead her to Jesus. And, after she, and then it says, and after she was baptized, her and her household as well, she urged us saying, if, if you judge me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. Now this is Lydia, she was a businesswoman. She sold fine linens. She was the first convert in Philippi. She receives Jesus and then she, her whole household does, her whole family does, and they all get baptized immediately. This is where the Philippian church started, right in her house. Pretty wild. So you see that her baptism, her, the, the baptism of her entire family was immediately after their conversion. And then Acts you know, 16, verses 16 to 34, we read the famous story about the Philippian jailer who has you know, Paul and Barnabas or Paul and Silas in chains and an earthly earthquake comes as Paul and Silas are singing hymns to God uh, in the middle of the night and the whole place shakes and all the all the prison doors pop open and their chains fall off. And the, the Philippian jailer is about to kill himself because he, I'd rather do it myself than just wait to be killed by a Roman. But Paul and Silas say, don't harm yourself, we're all here. And then they share 
They shared Jesus with this guy. And in verse 30, it says, then he brought them out and says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now notice, Paul doesn't say, be baptized. Because baptism is not what saves you. Here's what they said. He says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in the house. And he took them in the same hour of night and washed their wounds and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. So this is the middle of the night. He's saved and he's baptized before breakfast. Do you see this? You see this, what we put off was urgent to the early church. Do you see this? No one, Victor does, Victor does. Now my question this morning, and we can keep going and going and going and going, but I, I hope that you've got the point by now, right? My question this morning is, why such urgency and immediacy? Why, why, why is it such a rush? Why is there no rest in this call to baptism? Why? Like, why, why do we have to do it so quickly? Why is it so important? Why are people getting baptized in the middle of the night? Why are people getting baptized before eating after three days of fasting? Why are they getting baptized? And why don't they get a good night's sleep and kind of get baptized some, sometime the next day so that they're not, they're not exhausted? Why are they getting baptized of a first importance? My, my, uh, my kids... Years ago, my, my, all, all three of my kids had put their faith in Jesus, amen? And uh, my, my son was asking for a while to get baptized, and I wasn't letting him. Listen, I'm the pastor of the church. I was just kind of still like, hey, let's kind of watch. I want to make sure you know what you're doing. Well, okay, Dad, but I, I, I believe in Jesus. Okay, well, we'll, keep, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. Grace did the same thing. I, we'll see, we'll see. And I remember I got so convicted by the Holy Spirit from one of my own studies in, in, in my own Bible that if my kids are declaring their faith in Jesus, why am I not letting them be baptized? So we baptized the kids. I know, that some, I know some people that have been to Bible school and seminary but have never been water baptized. So we can, so we've got degrees, we've just never been baptized. So let, let me talk about why this urgency and why this immediacy in the old, in, 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 the, the, in the early church, but in what, what, why they did it this way. That baptism, listen to this, baptism is not a big deal biblically because of what it does. Baptism is a big deal biblically because of what it declares. I hope you heard that. Let me say it again. Baptism is not a big deal biblically because of what it does. In other words, it doesn't wash away your sins. Baptism is a big deal biblically because of what it declares. Well, it's, it's declaring what has already happened. It's declaring what has now been, what is now, uh, um, has taken root in your hearts. It is declaring something great to the world. It is setting up a stage for the gospel to go out. The, do you know that, that when Jesus, all this stuff with, about a personal relationship with, with Jesus is really great until our definition of what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus turns us into, into closet Christians. Oh, that's just between me and Jesus. No, like, Jesus sent you into the world that his last words were go, get out. Baptism is a springboard to get out. Go into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the, 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 
we know baptism as a need to join the church. We know baptism as a way to wash away our sins, which that, that is heresy. Uh, we know b- baptism uh, by lots of other things, but it's not what baptism does. It's what baptism declares. Now, here's the first thing. Grab your pens. Hit record. All right? Here's what baptism declares. Is number one, baptism declares that you have identified with Christ in his death and resurrection. You hear this? God wants you to declare through the waters of baptism that you identify with him. You're like, I'm with that man. That is the one that I'm with. I would tell the whole world, this is a closet Christianity. Make me look like a wet poodle in front of everybody. I do not care. I'm with this man. This is what the baptism declares. And look at this. We see this in Colossians chapter 2. Uh, starting with verse 12. Colossians chapter 2, starting with, with verse 12 and going to verse uh, 15. But I'm going I'm to start with verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Now, now let's hold on with me a sec- for a second. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the power working of God who raised him from the dead. Here's declaration number one, I died with Jesus. This is what baptism is illustrating. When you're baptizing, you go down into the waters, that's illustrating what has already happened spiritually speaking, but you were buried with Christ. You died to the old you. You died to the you you thought you were. You died to the you other people wanted you to be. You died to the you that was chasing uh, all kinds of second-rate dreams down dead-end roads. You died to y- your, your feelings that won't come under the lordship of Jesus. You get, died to all your unforgiveness and brokenness. You died to everything holding you back from who you were actually made to be, and that's a worshiper of God wild and free. You died to everything that's not the real you and everything that stood in opposition to Jesus. You died with Jesus. You died to sin. You died to the old me. You died to the sin, the, the, your sin nature and its power over your life. You died to the lies that stole from you. You died to the delusions that robbed you of what is in fact and actually real. And baptism illustrates this. Going under the water is an illustration of your death. Your burial, so to speak. That's what it is. Now declaration number two is that I didn't die with Jesus and stay dead. Just like Jesus didn't die and stay dead, Jesus was raised. And so when you come up out of the waters, here's what it's declaring, that I'm not dead. I am alive and very, very, very new. I was raised with Jesus. Look at the the second part of of verse 12 of Colossians chapter 2. Uh, having been buried with him in baptism, which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. So when you're being baptized, you're saying, I died to the, the old me, and I'm living a new life in Christ through faith. I am a new creation. I have a new identity. And that identity is defined by Jesus, no longer by me. I, I no longer have the keys to my own life. I've entrusted them to him, and I will become who he says I should. This is, and then then verses 13 to 15, just listen to this. And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt 
that stood against us with his legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Guys, there is, there is some good stuff there, but all of this in the, is in the context of what God wants to do in your life, and it is all a part of what baptism is declaring in your life. Here's what water baptism speaks. It speaks this, according to the scriptures, that you're no longer dead but alive. You are forever joined together with Christ. You are no longer in sin, but you are forgiven in Christ. All your trespasses are canceled. They're nailed to the cross. The legal documents that demanded your condemnation have been nailed to the cross and are paid in full. You don't have to work them off. You're not paying your own debts anymore. They are fully paid in Christ. Every spiritual ruler has been disarmed. Every spiritual enemy has been disarmed. They can scare you, they can trouble you, but they can't have you. They've been humiliated and triumphed over in Christ. Hell is shaking in its shoes because you're not going there anymore. The, the, the curse that you used to live in has been cursed through Jesus. This is, this is what your baptism is actually declaring. We've gotta get back to what the Bible says. God wants to, God wants to stir us up and he wants to declare and a, a reminder to your soul, to your soul of who you actually are. And he wants you to start right on the right foot. Now, knowing who we are is very important in Jesus, is it not? Because quickly we will go into who we feel like we are instead of who God says that we are. A few years ago for our, uh, it was either my birthday or my wife and I's anniversary, my, uh, my wife got me a, the Herndon coat of arms. Have you ever seen a Herndon coat of arms? Not as much. <laughs> it's a coat of arms that you're supposed to hang on your wall. I still have it rolled up in this, this sleeve. I'm not super proud of it, but I, I, I love that my wife gave it to me. What the Herndon coat of arms does is all the colors correlate to something. There's symbols on this coat of arms. The Herndons, I always thought, came from Germany, but they actually come from England. And so you kind of trace your roots all the way back. I've got a family tree that goes back to 1410. Supposedly, we're related to the, the uh, historical Little John from Robin Hood's Little John, one of the merry men. That's why we're so big and happy, you know? <laughs> the, the, uh, so we've got this. We've got this uh, the, my wife gave me this coat of arms, and what it does is it, is it breaks down what the name Herndon actually means. And there was something in my heart that I, I wanted to hear that Herndon meant something like, uh, I don't know, something at least manly, uh, something very powerful. But what the word Herndon actually means is it means this, dweller on the nook, on the hill with the herons. All right? Dweller on the nook, on the hill with the herons. What this means, basically speaking, is when you're at the grocery store, you say, you know that guy that lives in the cave on the hill with the birds? <laughs> Stay away from that guy. <laughs> uh, lives on a hill in a hole with birds. Oh, wow. Great. Now, if I hung this up, and I, if I framed it, and I let that speak over me, hey, here's where the Herndons came from. Nobody likes you. Nobody wants you. You have to live on hills with birds. And they, who knows if they like you? Maybe they're trying to eat you. I don't know. <laughs> who in the world knows? But it's not really a great legacy, is it? It's, but here's what, here's what baptism declares, is that baptism declares, and what, what Jesus wants to declare over your life, is that you have a new family of origin. You have a new bloodline. 
this is, this is your old family of origin is not what speaks into your future anymore. It's not who you came from in the flesh, it's who you come from in the spirit. And God welcomes you out of your old family into the original family that he originally designed you to be a part of. You wandered away long ago from that when you thought that the old family and the, the king of the old family, the father of the old family, he's just not good enough. Let me experience the world. But here, here Jesus has welcomed you back after you've been broken and crushed and after you've died trying to experience what we thought was great. He welcomes us back. Our old family of origins tries to, tries to keep us down, tries to put us in a hole, tries to, it tries to wrap a whole different destiny around our lives. But this new family of origin is not from the earth, it's from heaven. It's not from a person. It's from Jesus, who is a person, but the, the, the God-man. We, we are not who our ancestors say we are. We are who Jesus says we are. If we are in Christ, if we are in Christ. So this is what the baptism is declaring this to your heart and declaring this to the world. But let me just, just get into this a little bit more. That baptism is also a declaration to the community. It's not supposed to happen in dark hallways. It's supposed to happen for the world to see. It's a declaration to the watching world that that uh, I am not being private about my faith. I am being public about this one reality, that I have found a treasure named Jesus who is far, 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 far better than everything the world tried to offer me combined times a billion. Jesus is better, and I'm with him. And baptism declares that to everybody in one picture. I was dead and now I'm alive, and I'm proud to be alive in Jesus. My identity is wrapped up in him, and I'm saying it for the world to see, know, and hear. I don't care. When you're in love, you can be the quietest person. And you, have you seen the movies? I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care. Who knows about it, right, Elf, right? Oh, yes, I'm so in love. And here Jesus is, is not calling people just to make heartless decisions. He's calling lovers home. And baptism says, I will look like a drowned rat in front of everybody. It may be cold, it may be hot. I don't care what the temperature is. I care that everybody knows where my heart is. But here's the other part that I don't want us to miss, is that while we're declaring to the world, while baptism is declaring to the world that I'm with Jesus, baptism is also declaring to the world that I'm with Jesus' people. I'm with the community of Jesus' followers. I'm with the body of Jesus' followers. I'm with the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. When you're getting baptized, church, listen, you don't need a membership certificate to say I'm with these people. You need to be baptized. This is not about signed papers. This is about blood covenant. I'm with these people. I'm a part of these people. When you're getting baptized, no matter how proud you are or not of your church, no matter how proud you are or not of, of Christians in general, no matter how weird it's gonna feel to, oh, like you're with them? 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 You're with them? See, getting baptized is saying, yes, I'm with them. They're imperfect. I'm not always proud of them, but I am for them. And we together are going to get better. I'm with these people. 
That is what baptism does. And that's why people need to be there to see it if they can. This is, this is I, I, have you ever, parents, have you ever had your kids out in public and they're just having the, uh, uh, you know, the worst day they've ever had and they're screaming and they're cursing and they're, they're crying and they're beating up other kids and they're, they're running away and even though you say, hey, come back, they just don't, so you have to run after them? You ever, <laughs> yeah, you ever been like, nobody ever has? Okay, maybe it's just me. Um, the, uh, you know, because if your kids are cursing in public, where did they learn that? <laughs> you know, right? Let's be honest. And so your kids are screaming in public, but the, 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 it has to happen whether you pick them up and they're beating you in the face while you carry them or not, <laughs> while they're screaming at you, whether people think to themselves, they're horrible parents. That's how they talk in Hanover, guys, and you know it. Oh, the whole oh, man, I know, I know small children that are better parents than them, right? Although they'll be polite on the outside, they'll just rip you fresh on the inside. They're, but you still, you know what you still do? Even on your worst day, you still pick your, your, your kids up and you carry them home. So even, even on your worst day, I'm glad that you're mine. Glad that you're mine. Glad that you're mine. And I will lose my reputation to be a part of your life if that's what it takes. This is how family works. And this is what's built into baptism. So whether you're proud of what happens on the stage or not, does not matter. Whether you're proud of how, how people, what people do on social media during the week or not, does not matter. We all are, the Holy Spirit is making us all more like Jesus day by day, moment by moment. And none of us have arrived. Let's exit pride and enter humility. Let's start calling out gold in people's lives and saying, we're going to do this together. Whether I lose my reputation or not. Whether I want to disappear behind the scenes or not. Yeah. Whose kids are they? Mine. Come here. Come here. Coming home with me. Let them think whatever they're going to think. You and I are going to become more like Jesus together. And I just have this dream, guys. I've, I've always dreamt that once we're finally up on the hill and we're here, I've always dreamt of having a pond up on the hill. And I don't know, like we're just focused on getting into our new house for now. But I hope the days will come where we have a pond on the hill. And I hope that some, somehow musky and northern pike and pickerel and largemouth bass, smallmouth bass and marlin, uh, some everything. I, I hope that, that just like supernaturally God fills this pond with all kinds of variety of fish, mahi, mahi, yellowfin tuna, everything, everything. And then all the teeny fish that they need to eat just to stay alive. And I've always imagined that, that we're baptizing people, declaring their faith in Jesus, and little kids are fishing with their parents, hooking yellowfin, and then they see what we're doing, and we're like, you next, you next. And they put down the rods, and they come over, and they declare their faith in Jesus, and we're like, wasaba. That's the kind of church, I want us to be baptizing so many people. Orphans don't need to fall off cliffs into hell. Orphans, orphans can fall off cliffs into the arms of Jesus. And the church is those arms, guys. 
We, we need to be focused again on not what is stupid about the church, but it was what is great about the gospel. And we all, no matter how bad it gets in this world, we've always got the, the gospel message that Jesus wants to save people. When is the last time? This is not shame. This is, I want holy fire to fill our hearts. When is the last time that you shared the best message in the world? That though you were poor, you can be rich. Though you were dead, you can be alive with a person who needs to hear. But we share our heart and thoughts about elections. But what if we took our emotions about an election with our emotions about people going to hell and compared them? Come on, church. What I want to be known for, I want to be known by the community for a church that is so obsessed with Jesus that if you're having a hopeless life, you can find hope in this man and that people in the droves, orphans just come and they're just welcomed home and welcomed home and welcomed home and they hook fish and they get dunked in the same waters that they were having fun in. I just, I just pray that, it's, that God does such a revival move. Do you know that in the Welsh revival in the early 1900s, do you know that the Welsh revival, I don't know if you, you should study this one. I think it was 1902, in about a year span, 100,000 people got saved. When we're talking about revival, we're not just talking about people getting exuberant, though when you were dead and you come alive, you get exuberant, okay? But we're talking about in a little town in Wales, over 100,000 people come to know Jesus. And I think that this little town in South Central Pennsylvania must be a place where people start coming to know Jesus. Not just do they like the church, did they make friends? The, those things are the icing, but the meat is Jesus. Do they know Jesus? Do they know Jesus? I, I'm, I'm dreaming about a church where orphans are getting caught by the church. I'm dreaming about a church where, where we have we're, we're, we never have a loss for testimony because people are getting saved across our tables, in our homes, and in the ice cream aisle at, does Aldi have an ice cream aisle? How about Giant or Wise? You pick, it's not that about the grocery store, it's about, guys, this, this, I, I, there was a little girl here a few weeks ago that came up to me and said, hey, I was scared to pray for this one lady that I just thought I need to pray for her, that, that she can't get pregnant, and I just pray, I just feel, she's 11 years old, I just feel like I need to pray for her that she would get pregnant. That's the kind of church that I want to be a part of where Jesus is actually celebrated when he speaks to kids. That's the kind of church. So this morning, guys, I'm just wondering, um, maybe, uh, let, me, let me wonder this with you right out loud. Losing my voice, I like it. I'm wondering this morning if you're here and you've been telling yourself all your life, you actually hate it when, when preachers do this because it feels so uncomfortable to have to face this question, but are you actually saved? That's my question. Well, there's lots of things in life that you can trust. Is Jesus your trust? Is he your hope? Is he your everything? Are you actually saved? Now, here's the thing is, if you're concerned about that question, that's the enemy. Because Jesus is very happy about that question because he's paid a very high price for you already. And you just need to come home and put your faith in Jesus. And then October 18th, we're going to get you wet in front of everybody. All right? It's a small price to pay, my friends. But are, is your faith actually in Jesus or is it in something else? Just because your wife knows Jesus doesn't mean that you do. 
Maybe some people you got baptized as an infant and you actually thought you were saved then. Listen, let me tell you, you're not. You got wet as a baby. But, but salvation doesn't happen through pouring water on, on a, you know, don't you love how infants smell? It doesn't matter. Like, it, it, as, as heavenly as your child smells, pouring water, even, even if it's church water, holy water, whatever, <laughs> does nothing salvific. Your faith has to be in Jesus no matter what age you are. And then maybe your hope has been in your infant baptism, and then, but now you need to make it personal and you need to go public and you need to put your faith in Jesus. And you actually need to get baptized for real. October 18th, I heard that we're having a time up here on the hill at 10 o'clock where there's gonna be no sound systems, just the sound of, of people declaring the wondrous King's work in their life. I'll say, stop putting it off. Let your kids be baptized. And for some of us, you're saved and you know it, but you've forgotten what your baptism actually declared to the world, that you are alive and you are free and you are, you are a conduit of heaven and gladness and happiness and joy in Jesus can fill you and you don't have to walk around miserable and maybe you just need to be revived this morning in that department. Which one is it for you guys? I'm just wondering. Close your eyes a second. Let's ask Jesus. Jesus, which one is it for us? Which one is it for us? What do you want to do in people today? God, I, I just, I pray against the lie that says that Christianity is this hard thing you have to try and you have to try. Guys, it's, it's you can't live alive if you're dead. So I just pray that today would be a day of salvation for people, that they would actually come alive, stop trying to please you and receive the rightness of your son being doled out in epic proportion through faith. Just pray that, God. May today, may we hear testimony today of people getting saved and putting their faith in Jesus. So God, we bless you, we thank you, we praise you, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that this word will bring light to dark places, life to dead places, hope to desperate places, and heaven to earthly places.